Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Everything I Did Wrong as a Church Planter, a million-part series. I'm Logan Wolf, missionary to the state of Utah. Almost 12 years ago, my wife Grayson and I moved from Wilmington, North Carolina to Provo, the least-reached metro in America. We came here as church planters, specifically to start a church from scratch. Our ministry has taken... Uh, many forms over that time. We were a mobile church meeting in the conference center of a Best Western for a number of years. We navigated a church merger. We became multi-site with campuses, buildings, staff in two different counties. And now we are operating as a network of house churches across the state. In this podcast, I'm basically talking back through all of that in order to share with you what I would do differently Um, If I were pursuing the same course of action, the same methodologies, um, as well as just what I would do differently if I was starting from scratch, knowing all the things that I know now. Uh, And my hope in doing this um, is is to save you some of the many, many missteps that I have made, um, the frustration that I've gone through, the heartache that I've experienced, uh, as well as just your time and your energy and your money as you are laboring or preparing to labor in your city. So the mistake I want to discuss today that I want to to go back over is not completely unrelated to everything I talked about in episodes three and four, uh, in which I talked about sending agencies and fundraising, respectively. So if you're just jumping in, like this is the first episode you're listening to, uh, episode five, I do, you don't need to go back necessarily to the beginning, but episodes three and four, I think do lay some groundwork for what I'm about to talk about uh, here today. So go check those those episodes out. Uh, but here it is. Here is the mistake that I made, um, and that is I didn't clarify the role of our home church. I didn't clarify the role of our home church. And by home church, I just mean the church we were attending, the church we were from, that we grew up in. Um, prior to our being sent out as church planters, so our our home church. Now, based on some feedback that I received from a brother uh, whose opinion I I value greatly, um, I shared in the last episode, episode four, how I have now come to realize, it was pointed out to me, um, that most of the mistakes, so big chunks of these mistakes that I've been sharing, these mistakes... um, during this time of preparation before we moved to Utah are not solely my own. Um, I, I I don't think I need to be carrying all of this as if it was entirely my fault. I was young. Um, I was immature. I was naive. I was inexperienced, et cetera, <laughs> et cetera. Um, and so as I look back, yes, I wish I had done some things differently. I wish I'd known to do some things differently. But I also understand that there were older, um, more mature believers around me uh, that should have known better and should have led the way in these things. And so, um, again, I want to share something I wish had played out differently. I don't. I don't think I need to be the only one taking 
responsibility for it. So that being said, I hope my hope in this particular conversation is that it spurs you to have this important discussion with your home church. Okay. So that's, if that, if that's what comes out of this, that would be the win to, um, if you haven't already begin to talk with your home church about the role they'll play, um, in your ministry and your family's life as you go out to be church planter. So I shared previously that my family started regularly attending church. Uh, not, not me and not me and my wife, like my siblings, my parents, as we were growing up, are regularly attending church when I was in middle school, um, going into high school, and that church was a church plant. So we didn't, uh, we weren't there in the first, you know, few weeks. They were just getting started. I think they started in someone's living room, um, but we were there as they were. Um, gathering in an elementary school and up through the time they built their own building and this kind of stuff. So uh, we were there early on in a, in a church plant. And this was great. So this was a formative time in my life. I'm growing uh, as I'm growing up, my teenage years, high school years. And uh, man, it's where I came to know Jesus. So it was under this ministry that I recognized the severity of my sin and I, I turned from it. I repented of it. I put my faith in the completed work of Jesus um, and that alone. And so I was saved in this ministry. Um, I actually, during Bible college, I interned at this same church. I met my wife, uh, I met Grayson at this church. We were married at this church. Uh, the pastor there had a role in our, uh, our wedding ceremony. Um, and then even after we were married, I served as the associate pastor at this church for, for two years. So, um, big, big part of, of my life, the pastor and the church there, big influence on me personally. Now I have been planning to move to Utah since I was 16 years old. Um, and I'm not going to, that, that story of, of God bring us to Utah is kind of outside of the scope of this podcast, but I was recently on a podcast. So I guess it's been a year or so now, um, the beautiful and believable podcast. And so I recount that story of our coming to Utah in season two, episode three. So if you want to check that out, that's a great um, man, a, a great conversation I had with a guy that I met down at the micro church conference in, in Florida, but beautiful and believable podcast. So anyway, I'm preparing to come to Utah for years um, since, since I was in high school and our pastor knew this. I mean, I was talking about it with him um, openly and, um, man, just given these conversations he and I were having and, um, uh, just the history that not just me and my family, but then now me and, and my wife have with him and the church there, um, the influence he's had in our, our lives. Uh, I just assumed, I uh, just assumed that, that the pastor and the church both would play this huge part in the next phase of our lives and ministry. And that was our starting a church in Provo. All right. Um, we know what assuming does. So, and I have even beyond that, I have since learned that the majority of relational conflict and frustration comes out of uncommunicated expectations. Um, the majority of relational conflict and frustrations comes out of uncommunicated expectations that we put on other people. So that I want to say this, that I found that 
this played over. I mean, I'm just learning this ridiculous thing because um, this has played over and over. I saw that happen in the situation I'm describing to you. It, it would happen um, in relationships with people that came to help us. It happened when we navigated that church merger. It happened when you know we were dealing with our sending agency, then the second sending agency. Uh, I mean, just over and over again. And so uncommunicated expectations um has bred a lot of just a uh, conflict and frustration. So that's that's what I have learned. So I expected, I assumed that our home church would be heavily involved in what we were doing, preparing to do in Utah. Um, we were the first, and in fact, to date, the only missionaries to come out of that body. So like we were, I was saved there, served there, um, you know, prepared and then sent out and to date, that's that's where Grace and I are the only ones that have come out of that church to to start another church. So to me, like this is like super exciting, right? You have this church plant sending out church planters. I mean, that's what it's. I mean, that's what it's about. I'm like even talking. Yes, that's so cool. Um, I was excited about that, and so I expected them to be excited too, and I expected them to support us financially. And to be honest, I expected them to be our largest financial supporter. Um, they were not. In in fact, they stopped supporting us um, almost immediately after we got started. I expected them to send mission teams to help us in different ways. Um, and since moving here, since 2011, no one, no no teams, not even the pastor has been ever to visit us. And so now the thing is, um, all these expectations I had I expected them to be excited and on board with us. I expected the, the financial support. I expected them to literally be showing up here in Utah to help. All of those expectations, I actually never communicated to the pastor or to the to the church. I never told them what I was hoping or assumed would happen. Okay, so there is, again, I'm, I'm going to divvy up the responsibility where it goes, Probably some some mistakes made on the part of that pastor in that home that church, right? That's I get that. The, the mistake here is I was assuming things, expecting things, and never communicating those things, and that is a that is a huge relational mistake. All right, and so when I had all these expect, expectations and assumptions, and they fell through, obviously it hurt, right? And, and, and to be honest, I mean, there's still some some hurt there, and even as I've re- reached out directly to the to the pastor and trying to salvage that relationship and, and get them involved, even at this late stage in the work, um, wanting them to be involved and I mean, having just been met with coldness and, and, and no reciprocity in it, um, it still hurts even even today. Now, to be fair, I have all I had all these expectations. I imagine that the pastor and or the church had expectations themselves of us, right? So I don't, this, this probably goes both ways. Um, I, 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 I assume that just because of some of the way things played out, um, some of the things we were hearing through the grapevine and second and third hand, um, that there were probably unmet <laughs> expectations on both sides. That's, that's uh, again, uncommunicated. So while we had this relationship with our new our sending agency right that sent us out here and then after the merger um agencies we were we were with two different groups organizations 
Um, and I, yeah, I don't think going under a sending agency nullifies your relationship with your home church or your home church's responsibility to you. Like, I don't think we can just pluck ourselves out of that equation. So just because we were with a sending agency, I, and again, maybe that was an assumption, an, expect, <laughs> an expectation, I don't know. Um, but if we could have just had on the front end this honest, clarifying conversation with our home church, I think a lot of misunderstanding and a lot of hurt feelings could have been avoided. If we just had like just known to have the conversation, like, you know, hey, you know, we've been preparing to be church planners. We're going to go, we're going to go be missionaries. We're going to go to Utah. What does that look like as we leave, as we, you know, we, we phase out, transition out of this ministry and this church? How can we do this together? What would a genuine partnership look like? And I talk about partnerships. I wish I had, um, cultivated in episode four, if you go back and listen to that. But what would a partnership look like? Um, you know, what role do you see the church playing in this? And how, you know, how are there any kind of structures we want to put up as far as communication or accountability or training or support or ministry teams or what is that all like? They would just been helpful. And again, not that they had to sign on wholeheartedly with it, all of that or any of it. But I think the conversation itself is what I'm getting at would have uh, clarified expectations um, would have would have been really healthy and really helpful. Now, I suggest here's here's making it a little more practical. I suggest not only talking this through with your home church or your 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 pastor where you currently are are serving, uh, but using something like um, I'm going to butcher this guy's last name. It's Neil Parolo. He has a book called Serving as Senders. And I recommend using that as a guide for this type of conversation. If you're watching this uh, episode on our YouTube channel, I'd show you that book like I've done in other episodes, but I actually gave my copy uh, to someone and they've not returned it, which is always my fear when lending out a book is that I may never see this book again. So it's it's very emotional. Um, anyway, I had the... I had the uh, the 1991 version, Serving as Senders, again, a good catalyst for this conversation. It would actually be helpful to use something like this to walk the whole church through. If a you're in a, a traditional church setting, you're preparing to send out a church planner or a missionary for the very first time, let's talk. Even if they're going under another organization or a ascending, ascending organization, let's talk about what our church, the, our home church can do and support. So anyway, 1991 version, Serving as Senders, is, the subtitle is How to Care for Your Missionaries While They Are Preparing to Go, While They're on the Field, uh, and When They Return Home. Uh, and so I, I, I came across this book after we had been on the field for like two years. So again, I could have backtracked with it and I tried to. I actually was speaking in 2013 via FaceTime to the local church connected to our sending agency. So not our home church, but the local church connected to our sending agency. And I did plug it and I really pushed us, hey man, get this book. This would be so helpful, not just again for relationship with us, but with anyone else you send out. Um and so it is it is a a, a great resource. There's a revised and expanded 2015 edition. So even after I found it and was promoting it, um, and it's called Serving as Senders Today, How to Care for Your Missionaries. And so I do recommend picking it up. So in the book, and 
from what I understand, this hasn't changed in either any of the editions, but the author talks about this military idea of a tooth-to-tail ratio. And so this is basically the number of military personnel, the tail, that it takes to support and supply each combat soldier on the front line, so the tooth. Um, And this number obviously varies from conflict to conflict, but generally speaking, and this was true at the time of the the version I read. So he he was tracking like the last 30 years. So for several decades, again, that book was a couple decades old, but the, the, our country, the United States has maintained this tooth to tail ratio of one to 10. And so for each soldier actively engaging the enemy, there are 10 other individuals, men and women, who have, you know, they don't even live in the same region, but they are providing support and they take care of everything for this combat soldier. So everything from, uh, you know, getting that soldier's training, uh, taken care of and all the, the, the stuff, their paycheck, their, their financial stuff, getting them to the battlefield, making sure they have the ammunition, the rations, all that kind of stuff. Um the only thing the soldier has to, f- to worry about is the actual fighting, right? The mission, why they're, why they're there, why they've been deployed. Everything else is taken care of on the back end by someone else. So when I shared this uh, in 2013, um, I, re- I made reference to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. It says, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Uh, and the point being, you know, my point was, what can a sending church, not a sending church, what can I, your home church do? The people, you know, the where ministry where you're coming out of, um, what can they take off your plate and, and in order to help you as you're preparing to go? Um, and I think that's a great question to, to chew on as a, as a church, as a group. We're sending someone to start uh, another church. Whether we're the official sending agency or not, we're, we're sending out our, a church planter. We're sending out a missionary. How can we help them? And of course, in that book, um, Parolo discusses six things. He talks about moral support, logistical support, financial support, prayer support, communication support, and reentry support. Uh, and again, a sending agency will take care of, of some of those in different degrees and different ways. Um, but the church you're coming out of, the church you're you're currently serving at, the church you grew up in, the church, whatever your your home church is to you, man, how can they fill some of those roles? And and I think asking and breaking the ice on that conversation, and um, even if it's very little, to remove the danger of any again hurt feeling, misunderstandings, even bitterness, um, by not setting up expectations um, that are unrealistic because you, you know, you've just not communicated. You're not, you're not on the same page. So I think having that conversations, it would be, I think likewise helpful to discuss, you know, and again, Parolo gets at this, but even the financial commitment, I mean, I think that should be explicit um, that your home church is, is willing to make in what you're doing. We had, uh, like I said, our, our home church pulled out on us, unannounced very early on. Um, and again, I'm young. I'm not, I should have, I should have said something like, why did you stop supporting us? But I, I did not. So again, that part on me, part on them. Um, but the, even beyond like the, the money, uh, we had other churches buy things for like our initial grand opening service. 
a, you know, a sound system and a guitar and there was a keyboard that was purchased for some advertising expenses, all that was covered by some other churches. So just a lot of cases of Bibles, all this kind of stuff. And we are so grateful for it. But we had a number of churches just give towards that one service. I wish I had had that conversation just with our home church. Like that was something I've, in hindsight, I feel like, man, they should have been a part of that and they weren't. And so again, I just wish we had talked through it on the front end like, hey, what it's going to be the financial commitment? Is that going to be month to month? Is it going to be in the budget? Is it going to be, you're going to give every quarter? Is it, are these, we do have this, you know, these outreach events planned leading up to a grand opening service. And some, are you going to take care of some of this? What would that look like? You know? Um, and so I think talking through that would be really helpful. And in the same vein, uh, I mentioned mission teams um, a, mo- a moment ago. I wish we had calendared out, calendared out some visits like that, uh, either just from the pastor and his family or the pastor and his wife or, or teams from the church, uh, whether that was the youth group or the, you know college age people or just anyone that wanted to come, um, especially as we were getting started, as we were taking things door to door and doing some outreach projects. Again, things, hindsight, I would have utilized teams a little different. We'll talk about that in the future. But I would have liked to have them to send someone, no one uh, from our home church um, or even from our sending agency actually joined us for our grand opening service. Um, I wish I had asked them to do that. And maybe, again, uncommunicated expectations. I wish I said, I would like someone to be here for this special day. (laughs) Um, They were not there. And again, no one from our home church has, has ever visited. So it would have been great to know Hey, once a year, you know, at least if no one other church sends anyone, our home church is going to send a team out to help with some summer outreach or help with, you know, as we go into winter, they're going to help help do some stuff. Or once a year, once every couple of years, the pastor and his family will come visit us and just to pour into, uh, just for encouragement or to take take the pulpit that Sunday, take take Sunday off me for a week or two, or that would have been so helpful. Um, and I just, I didn't communicate it. It was assumed it would happen. I expected it to happen. I assumed it would happen. It didn't. And in that uncommunicative, um, I guess because it wasn't communicated, it it just, it bred hurt feelings and it bred confusion and frustration and, and some anger. So, uh, man, I wish we had, we had looked at that. I was viewing our work as an extension of that church and I, I guess maybe they weren't. So again, uncommunicated expectations. I wish we had, um, Planned opportunities even to connect with the church between visits. And and by that, I just mean even like speaking like virtually or something. We were asked only one time and very early on um, to speak virtually. I think we used FaceTime or something during a service to our to the church we came out of. Um, we received cards and packages and you know care packages and stuff from other churches, never from our, our home church. And so even when I would share things directly with the pastor... Um, you know, when we were still talking with regularity, it, it never seemed to make it to the body. Like there was never any response in light of that. So when we were celebrating things, things that I saw, hey, this is something you guys are very much a part of because we're out of this church and we're saved and now we're this is happening. It felt like it went on, you know, it went unmentioned. And then when we were going through some dark times and some struggles and um uh, some depression and just some spiritual attacks, and we shared those things. Uh, I, I expected that they would help carry those burdens. And they, again, it, it went largely unacknowledged. So I truly hope, let me end with this. I truly hope 
that experience Grayson and I had is an anomaly. Like, I hope you're listening to this and saying, that's just absurd. I've never heard of that. I've never heard of that happening. I, I, I truly hope that's the case. Um, nonetheless, to assume otherwise, um, maybe to set yourself up for some of that heartache and frustration. And so I just urge you, no matter if you're already, you've already moved out as a church planter or you're, you're preparing to go, bring this up with your home church, bring this up with your pastor, but you know, Hey, what, what's the relationship going to be like? Um, what's the involvement? What can I expect? What do you expect of me? And, and just hash that out. Um, again, just for clarity, just for clarification. I hope this helps you. It's been a little, uh, therapeutic for me, I think. Um, but, I I'm, I'm, I'm still learning these kind of things. Um, especially just in relationships and dealing with with others. So if it has helped you, please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, please leave a rating. I would also ask that you, you share it, um, pass it along to your church planting colleagues and friends and team members. Again, this is probably an episode maybe even to, to share with people in your home church uh, that you're serving with maybe on staff there or your pastor. Um, and I think just it'd be a good a good icebreaker to the conversation. I think that's so so important. So my name is Logan Wolf, and this is everything I did wrong as a church planter, a million part series.